Off the Ball with thanks to Ford. This season, we're not playing by the rules. We're exceeding expectations. Now as standard, Ford, go further. Hello, you're welcome along to Friday Night's Off the Ball. It's Joe Malloy here. We've Colin Parkinson alongside me. We've Keen Murta here and Brian O'Driscoll is here. 53106 is the text number. You'll get us on Twitter at Off the Ball. Hello, Brian O'Driscoll. Hello. Uh, so we have now beaten every side in the top 10 in world rugby under Joe Schmidt, except for New Zealand. Mm-hmm. We're getting very good at this. We are. We are. We're, we're getting very, very good. Um, but I think next week will be a real test for a couple of reasons. Uh, that Wales are an improving team in this Six Nations, mm-hmm. but as well that it's away. It's in Cardiff. You look at our victories against England, France, South Africa, Australia. They've all been at home. So now yeah. we need to go away and, and, and beat a good, see, a good side. We'd have John Giles on the show. And if you ever bring up home and away with him, he gets very angry. He says, no, 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 no. This home and away thing doesn't matter. What I vote, you know, I learned very early on the crowd can't affect what's happening on the pitch. So I ignore them. Sad. It matters massively. Because massively. of the referee or because of you guys? There's a bit of that. There's your... The, the week you've had there's travelling over there's the environment that you, you've been in there's uh, different food cooked by someone different there's lots of Not different sleeping in your own bed like, a big deal as well yeah. there's lots and lots of things um, and then the crowd but you'd still play incredibly well quite a lot away from home. No, you can. Yeah. I, I'm not writing the lads Sorry. off. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it is. It, it do, does have an effect. Yeah. It does have an effect. You didn't, like, you didn't particularly like playing at home. I love playing the, in the Millennium, though. I love playing, yeah. playing there because it's the best stadium in the world. So there, that, it, we, that is a plus for the boys next week mm. because it's incredible. There's no atmosphere it? like it. Yeah. Just because of the atmosphere it creates? Yeah, it is really special. And, and irrespective of whether Ireland-Wales had anything to play for, more, in more, more often than not, they did. But even in the, in the dead rubber games, the atmosphere was still yeah. huge. The Welsh love having us over and... We like drinking with them, yeah. and it's just it's it's a laugh of a weekend. Roof on or off? I I, uh, I always liked it on, but we hardly ever had it on because yeah. certainly dur- during Declan Kidney's tenure, it, he'd go to the lads and, and say, "Well, you know, do you want it open or closed?" And we'd say, "Oh, probably closed." You go, "Well, do you think that's smart?" So let's <laughs> just make the decision himself. <laughs> like. Why did you even tell us? Yeah, you know. So, who decides whether it's open? The opposition, right? The opposition, but and Wales prefer usually they like to have they like having yeah they like having clothes because no, but as well, it's very very loud when you have uh, when you have a close. You literally, you know, this close proximity, you you have to shout at one another. Mm. Um, It also gets swelteringly hot. but they like it because it's dry ball, guaranteed dry ball, and that's the way they like to play. Right, so okay. we need to, we like to bring a few elements into things. Yeah. As history would show. It's a very nice Declan Kidney impersonation. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. I, worked I, in I, there. Pulled, I pulled out of it no, a little bit. I pulled out of a little bit. Committed to it enough now. Do we have some examples of Joe's impersonations? They're not great. Never a great idea when I break into. It's hard to commit to them fully. Yeah, you, you see, the worst is when you start them and then you pull out. <laughs> you of trail off. It's <laughs> pathetic. It's a real lack of character. <laughs> Uh, so we've Martin Williams on the show this evening in the next hour, which will be great. Uh, you were saying, you know, we were talking to you saying, who should we get on the show to talk about Wales? And you said Williams, that he's got a brilliant rugby brain. Mm. Really yeah. smart guy. Yeah. Well, you look at the size of him. He, he's he's probably the originally conventional seven where he was kind of small and wiry. Um but he was a master of being able to link forward and back play. Really intelligent footballer. You know, was able to read where the play was going to be, and so whatever he lacked in 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 physical uh, makeup, he made up from being able to just be a step ahead of his his opposing seven. Mm. And uh, I think you know he's he's now become a, an incredibly good pundit. I think his points are excellent, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting to him. I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Like, all of those things, you know, three lines tours, hundred test caps for Wales, all these great attributes. And still, if someone says Martin Williams to me, first thing I think of is the penalty kick. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> it is terrible. First he thing did I love. He did a lot of good stuff. I know. <laughs> but it was the most dramatic television. Keen, I mean, it's up there. It's the first thing you would think of at Williams. Or is that just me? Uh, no, Keen's a rugby I, snob. I, he, he's, gonna, he's not going to think. Me and you, Joe, would think immediately. Yeah. We're shallow. It was just so, it was just so <laughs> awful, but unforgettable. That, yeah. was the, that was the only penalty shootout we can think of. That's it. But the, the only one in history. Mm. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, like awful! 
it's really it's must be. and it's only 22 metres like I see it like okay he's a wing forward a wing forward should really be putting it over from 22 metres right and he's he's a good footballer you know you yeah. would think right. anyone would be able to knock it over from 22 metres out you know in front of the post yeah. how did that under 19's <laughs> penalty shoot go for you there <laughs> what did you do with yours there's no video evidence of it is there I, I, mine wasn't as it bad a strike be. as Martin's his was ah, like was shocking. Uh, yeah I had a huke as well though Right. I pulled it to the left but I, like it was complete finkel I completely like the pressure got to was me it, it wasn't yeah. a case of oh I just hit it badly yeah. Oh no, I completely bottled, bottled it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was goal kicker, which is always good when your goal kicker steps up first and misses the first one. <laughs> Inspires Set everyone else to do well. <laughs> Don't worry about this, lads. It's going to be fine. Uh, Keen Murder, where are we starting tonight's news round? Uh, with uh, the Archers City, Joe, it is the opening night of the new uh-huh. season, of course. Uh, Dundalk begin the uh, defence of their title on home ground as well, playing host to Longford Town at Oriel Park. Goey United take on Derry City, but probably tie of the night is at the Tallis Stadium. Shamrock Rovers taking on St. Pat's. Rovers without their suspended uh, international pair of Stephen McPhail and Keith Fahey for tonight's game uh, in the first division newcomers Cabin Teeley United's first match in the League of Ireland will see the Wexford Youths pay a visit to Stradbrook uh, Waterford United host Athlone Town all of those matches get underway at 7.45 there's an 8 o'clock start at Talca Park where Shelburne will host Finn Harps and in the championship tonight in England Bournemouth could move from fourth to top of the table they pay a visit to Craven Cottage to face Fulham from 7.45 also in football a little bit earlier on today the Irish women's team beaten 2-0 by Slovakia in their second pool match at the Istria Cup in Croatia Uh, the rugby next and um Team news from Munster, Leinster and Ulster ahead of this weekend's action in the Guinness Pro 12. Leinster making seven changes to their starting side for tomorrow's trip to face the Scarlets. Luke Fitzgerald and Owen Redden have been released from the Ireland camp to start while there's five changes to the Leinster pack. A new look front row of Keane Healy, Sean Cronin and Marty Moore. It'll be Healy's first start for Leinster since opening day, their trip to Glasgow in September. And Mike McCarthy and Jack Conan also coming into the Leinster pack. Ulster meanwhile have had a first start to emergency signing and Mike Stanley he'll partner team captain Darren Cave in the centre for Sunday's trip to Rodney Parade to face the Dragons while second row Ian Henderson has also been available uh, for Ulster over the weekend and uh, for Munster there's a welcome return for Dunica Ryan to their matchday squad for tomorrow's clash with the Ospreys the Irish international second row has been named on the bench as he prepares for his first appearance of the season while Dave Kilcoyne and Dave O'Callaghan also come into the Munster pack and Felix Jones starts on the wing because JJ Hanrahan's been playing so well at full back in recent weeks they start the weekend at the top of the table Munster Anthony Foley's side starting to produce some outstanding attacking performances in the Pro 12 in recent weeks and centre Dennis Hurley who captains the side this weekend says that the rejuvenated Keith Earls has played a large part in that resurgence He's been itching to get back I'm sure um, playing because he's been out for so long and it's great to see him, you know, I mean, having a guy outside there where you can give him a ball and in space and he's very dangerous and you see defences are just, just a fear of him um, and uh, yeah, it's a joy to play alongside it as well, you know, because when we're going forward and we're making 50, 40, 50 metre breaks and you've guys there, you know, running off him, that's that's just kind of gives us great flow and, and makes the games really enjoyable as well. Did Brian Driscoll just slam John Giles over the home away debate? No, no, that's not, that's not what happened there. Uh, heatedly debated rumours spreading amongst my son's classmates today that Bod is coming out of retirement to play for Ireland next weekend. He was devastated when I told him it wasn't true. He's in junior infants, says Ronan, in Dublin. What did Brian think of Earls' try last weekend? I, I didn't see, didn't see the Earls' try. I, I, I'm sure it sounds spectacular. Amazing try. Yeah. Um, these are kind of the forgotten men each week when the Six Nations is on. You wouldn't have had, I presume, ever had to be playing Leinster matches during Six Nations, were you? In- um, injury maybe be the only reason? No, thankfully I, I I never was injured. I never came into a Six Nations. So I either started a Six Nations and then got injured for a game and yeah. then played the next international. I only ever missed one game in any Six Nations other than missing the whole series this whole series of it in 2012 so yeah um, yeah thankfully no it's it's um, it's difficult you can see that the, you know the boys particularly with 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 squads that are fairly decimated because of the international setup you, know, you look at Leinster having um, they had 17 guys in, yeah. in the camp so it really shows a, a great strength and depth when they still Big are camp. setting up setting out a, a team that looks strong enough yeah. unbelievable team yeah, it does look like a good team Trevor Hogan's one, one of his fondest memories is during a Six Nations period when it was under Cheka and 
Leinster were away to Glasgow and got beaten but they should have been beaten by a lot more they put in a heroic performance and Cheka came into the dressing room even though they lost and told them how proud he was of them how brilliant it was and he still remembers it as one of the nicest nights in rugby in a really bizarre grim sort of way I remember that team. It was yeah. literally it was it was full of academy. Yeah, that's right. And he had, yeah. he he just written off the game because there was another there was another game. It was it was a reset fixture, um, like four days later. Right. So he kept the you know the main team for that fixture, thinking that we more a chance of winning that. And I remember watching that and thinking, you know, particularly in the front row, you know, young lads coming in, yeah, you know, they can get their flying wings sometimes early on, going backwards. So they really they dug in and and uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a kind of a proud performance, a proud defeat if you if yeah. there is such a thing. Jacket wouldn't have had many of them, I'd say. <laughs> well done, good effort, everyone. <laughs> uh, Connacht also in action uh, tonight. Uh, they're looking to hold on to sixth place and have a decent chance of doing so. They're playing the Cardiff Blues at the Arms Park, and Glasgow will be looking to overtake Munster at the top. They host Zebra at the uh, Scotstoun. Those games kick off at 7.35. Meanwhile, Rory McIlroy continues to struggle for consistency at the WGC Cadillac. The world number one started his round today with back-to-back birdies at Doral, then undid all that good work with back-to-back bogeys. So he remains uh, level par for his round, one over for the tournament. Shane Lowry's dropped a shot as well, so he's level par. Graham McDowell not having a great day, two over through his round and three over for the tournament. JB Holmes leads the field on nine under, so he's dropped a shot and that means he's just two shots clear of Charlie Hoffman meanwhile Kevin Phelan is five under par at the Africa Open a level par 72 for his round today leaves him a shot better off than Darren Clark but well down the playing field his uh, fellow first round leader Matt Ford is the outright leader on 11 under par you didn't manage to watch Harrington you were just saying there um you were following it via your father's text messages. Mm, yeah, I was in I was in town and yeah. I have an office in town now and I was sitting there and he was he rang me first and I told him I wasn't watching it, so he felt obliged to yeah. literally text me on every shot. Yeah. So it was exciting in a different sort of way. way. Yeah. Harrington must be one of the most loved sports people we have. Like really everyone's like he's loved, really loved. loved. Yeah. I saw Shane Lowry immediately saying without a shadow of a doubt, Ireland's greatest sportsman. Yes. And he is. Everyone yeah. does no one dislikes Pori Harrington. There's nothing to dislike. And and even when he talks to the media, he doesn't say anything massively controversial, but he's just yeah. so engaging and, and spills it all out there. I think as well he has such a passion for what he does mm. he, he came in and spoke to us actually during Deccan Kidney's tenure he used to have people come in and speak to us yeah. uh, so Pori came in um, one night and he spoke no joke for two hours solid without one note it was incredible is that right it was incredible wow um, and he probably would have gone on again. We were like, no, God, <laughs> <laughs> we've nothing left. We've nothing left here. Did you win that weekend? <laughs> Him and Josh Schmidt would get on really well, I'd say. They would. They, they actually, I don't know who loves their sport more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, funny, Johnny Sexton remembers that, actually talks about that as being quite struck. You know, obviously, there's, there's a real correlation between pulling the trigger on a golf ball and on a penalty kick. And I think he said he felt very reassured at the doubts that Harrington would have. You know, okay, well, this guy's won three majors with lots of doubts. Mm. Mm. I've got my own demons and doubts when it comes to my kicking. That's not the end of the world. Mm. It seems like he had a big impact on him. But he's so powerful. I was at the night he did at the Gaiety Theatre and again, he just spoke off the top of his head. Like, it's like he has a degree in psychology the way he he certainly understands himself very well. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? and Yeah, but then, you, you, you know, what part of his brain after winning a couple of opens then goes, oh, I've got to change this swing of mine, yeah, you know? I know. You know I blame the hangers on. I blame the guys to get him paid to teach him these new swings. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Why else would you do it? But yeah, it's, it's kind of difficult to, to justify your, your paycheck if you go, just keep doing what you did yeah. there the last couple <laughs> of years. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. Without Porrick, you're perfect there now. Will I just head off? <laughs> <laughs> Harrington's attitude was, I've got to be better than Tiger and Phil at the time. Mm. I know I've won three majors, but got yeah. to the next level. And, and look, I've complained about this enough to know, you've explained to me that he's, cha- he's changed after every win anyway like so, between the two opens he went from hitting a draw the first open to a fade the second open just for the hell of it you know, who knows? more control on the fade no? <laughs> I think so you know <laughs> yeah all this stuff 
Uh, Keen, final few stories? Yeah, three Irish athletes have survived the weekend's uh, semi-final action at the European Indoors following the opening day's uh, competitive action in Prague. Uh, Mark English remains on course to add to his European outdoor medal, winning his 800 metre heat this morning. Declan Murray also progressing uh, to the semi-finals by virtue of a collision just before the end of his heat. A 400 metre runner, uh, Dara Kervik, was the standout performer for the Irish squad during this morning's action. He was unable to repeat his victory in the semi-finals though, came, coming home in fourth place in a time of 46.96 seconds which was still his third fastest time of his career uh, also mixed emotions for Paul Pollock who could only finish 10th in his 3000 metre heat but that was still a new PB 7 minutes uh, 58.78 seconds Kira Everett though through to the 400 metre semi-finals tomorrow a 60 metre hurdler Jero O'Donnell is out after his heats meanwhile Turkish athlete Nevin Yanit had her doping suspension increased from 2 years to 3 years by the Court of Arbitration for Sport today after the IWF had requested a stronger punishment for the sprinter whose win at the European Indoors in 2011 had originally denied Dervil O'Rourke a medal. Keen, great stuff. Thanks very much. Just before we go to the other break, Harrington, I'd say, was good. Anyone else particularly impressive who came to speak to you guys down the years? Um, we had the boss man, the boss boss man from here, Dennis O'Brien, came in. Okay. Uh, it was very interesting. Um, a completely different angle, you know. Yeah. Um, kind of when you've failed a couple of times before you hit it big yeah. <laughs> you've got a few stories to tell so his was very interesting so it's not just sports you know it's from all oh no it's all life. walks of life oh, yeah okay. yeah right. yeah so because Eddie O'Sullivan continued that practice didn't he right bringing people in to talk to you yeah he well Eddie just used to love bringing in um Christy Moore <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. Christy used to be literally it was an annual thing and then Declan carried that on too and it seemed to be an annual thing we'd go out to Kalini and set up a little room and then some some lads would go up and sing a song some lads would go up and absolutely butcher songs yeah. and um, yeah it was fantastic I don't think they're doing that anymore although they had Hermitage Green in that, uh, last weekend and went there's, down a treat there's footage of Simon Zebo rapping with them yes I'm yes. Right. his brother-in-law is in the band or mm-hmm. yeah is in the band as well okay. and obviously Barry uh, O'Mahony is it? not Barry O'Mahony but oh Murphy? yeah former Munster Murphy Murphy, I think. Murphy. yeah Murphy. thank you yeah yeah uh, we've an amazing prize to give away on the show this week with thanks to ESB International we're giving you one last chance to enter later this hour we'll pick one entry from thousands that we've received all week the person wins a trip for two to China for the 2015 Asian Gaelic Games in Shanghai prize includes return flights six nights stay in a five star hotel a sightseeing tour of Shanghai and of course passes for all the games to put your name in the draw just identify tonight's mystery voice he was asked to translate the phrase Johnny Sexton is the best out half in the world into French when they parle doucement avec moi, mais c'est difficile quand il y a beaucoup de personnes dans la chambre. Ooh, that's difficult. One more time. When they parle doucement avec moi, mais c'est difficile quand il y a beaucoup de personnes dans la chambre. Do you know that is? Yeah, we oh. all know, Joe. <laughs> okay, it's not difficult. <laughs> I think he's bluffing. <laughs> he is now. You all, you all clearly know who that is. So text ESBI to 53106 along with your name and answer. Every correct entry goes into tonight's draw. It's all thanks to ESB International, celebrating 40 years in business, proudly supporting the South Africa Gales Tour of Ireland and the Asian Gaelic Games 2015. You can check out more at ESBI.ie. We're going to have Martin Williams on the show Talking Wales, which we're looking forward to. But up next, we're going to talk to Brian about the win over England last Sunday. Off the ball, with thanks to Ford. This season, we're not playing by the rules. We're exceeding expectations. Now as standard. Ford, go further. Uh, you're welcome, Mac. 53106, the tax number. We're on Twitter at Off the Ball. Your questions for Brian O'Driscoll, who's in studio, as is Colin Parkinson. So we're reflecting on the weekend that was. Ireland England was exactly how you described it. It was going to be an arm wrestle, there would be lots of kicking, it would be down to fine margins. In the end, we kind of felt comfortable. Yeah, it was a comfortable win, but it, I'm sure it didn't feel that way out there. And particularly when England got in the ascendancy towards the end and. I know the now no try came too late, but if they'd scored a couple of minutes before that, it was then becoming a one-score game. So yeah. it, it never feels as comfortable as we all were looking, sitting on our couches, thinking, oh, it's yeah. comfy, handy one against England. I'm curious when you're watching this, what are you looking for? What's standing out for you? What what would be the one thing you would take away from the performance? Um, t- Taking away from that performance, yeah. I think the most impressive part was... Um, our defensive structure. I thought we we just looked fairly impenetrable. Um, 
of, you know, even though we had that pick and jam thing at, at the end close to our line, we still felt comfortable. And yes, he, he you know, there was a forward pass for the Nile try and maybe it could have been given, but like we just seemed so comfortable with all their phase options. We made them, we forced them to kick uh, on our terms rather than kicking on their terms. Mm. Um, I just think that's one aspect of our game that is above anyone else at the minute is really? our identification yeah. of when to go to the tackle, when to have an opportunity of trying to you know, poach a ball, when to leave it alone. We, we, we're not leaving three numbers or four numbers into rooks and conceding fastball. If we put those numbers in, there's a v- very good chance of a counter rook of turning ball over or at least muddying muddying that ball for five, six second rooks. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, angle of the game that you bring up. So a tackle happens and if you're near it or any player is near it, they have to decide, should I go in here and contest this rook or should I back off and get in, back into the line? And you're saying that's something that we're doing really well. Yeah, so if, if, if it depends on where it is. If it's in close quarters, it's different than out wide. But if you find yourself in a situation where someone's definitely going to be tackled and you've got your defender beside you, looks as though he's in a great position to make the hit. As soon as you engage in that tackle, you have to release to then go back into the tackle as the new rules dictate that mm-hmm. you, you know, it's full release and then become a jackler. So the, the, what I see the, the boys doing now really well is allowing the guys to make the single tackle and then depending on how that player is falling, whether they're in a vulnerable, vulnerable position, they're coming in and and going for a poach or in positions where they feel that the attacker has the ascendancy, they're just leaving it alone and and playing out into the defensive line to then try and get lines, get set early and get line speed off the next phase. So I think our identification at the moment is absolutely brilliant. Is it? And, uh, sorry, go ahead. Will. How do you get good at that? Yeah. Like, how do, where does that improvement come from? Just constant video? Work? Yeah, I think a lot of practice. I think they're doing a huge amount of it at training. Um and constant drills and also a, a lot of what is expected of you now in camp is to analyse training and so if you are making an error you go back into the video room after training and then you talk it through in your units or talk it through with Les Kiss or talk it through with Joe Schmidt yeah. um, and then make sure you, it doesn't happen again but um, it's it's you know, Ireland teams have been pretty good at it in the past I, I think if you look at our our pack at the moment, I, I I think we've got some really, really good stealers of the ball. Um, so we've seen Rory Best is one of the best uh, at it. Peter Mann, he's excellent. Uh, Paulie's really, for a big man, Paulie's really good. Mm. Jamie's good. Uh, Jordy Murphy got a great one at the weekend. Keen Healy, Jack McGrath, all these guys are good. Probably, no disrespect, Devin Toner is 6'10", so he doesn't get down into the poach position very well. Not the best and Mike Ross, Ross is you know 6'10 wide, so it's kind of tricky for him to get yeah. a good base too. But uh, all these guys are very good, so we're making fast rook ball with our selection process really difficult for the opposition. Yeah. So I mean, we're kind of we've overlooked our defence a little bit. We just take it for granted now under Joe Schmidt that it's really really good. And the way yeah. you're talking about it, it's almost as good as anyone in the world. I, I think so. I genuinely think so. I think it and defence is is about two things. It's about identifying that the situation that's unfolding yeah. and then implementing a correct tackle and a, and a physical tackle. So they're two completely different things. You can be a good defender and a bad tackler. Or the or the other way around, mm-hmm. they don't always go hand in hand. So you know, I, I always would have thought playing against someone Mike Tyndall was excellent at both, right. at reading situations very well, but also going through and the actual act of tackling, he was very good too. And then getting up, your tackle isn't finished just when you hit someone to the ground. It's yeah. about it's the back end of the tackle, getting up, making a nuisance of yourself, or bouncing back into the defensive line, or you know. Um, trying to slow the ball down for a second before the referee is going to ping you. So those sort of things, get a hand on the ball for that one second leeway that he gives you and then you roll away, you know, arms in the air, make sure you get out of the, uh, out of that passage. There's been a lot of love for Conor Murray this week. We we had him on the show. Jerry Thorny was talking about him saying he probably wouldn't swap him now for any other nine in the world. Like this guy, every time he's asked to step up from World Cup to Lions now... It's phenomenal. How good is he? He's excellent. He's a, he's a, a top quality player. He said to us during the week on the show, I'm, I'm not just a kicker. You know, like, <laughs> no, I think we all know that. I know, because I could, I could, but you're kicking so good. And he's like, yeah, I know, but not just that. The one, what I would say is, whatever about him being the best nine in the world, maybe he's in the shakeup. He's 
definitely the best defensive nine in the world. And that's gone back for years. He was always a good defender, but it's not, again, it, it's plugging the holes that are there and reading the play. And um, you know, sometimes a back three player might get pulled into a ruck and he's looking back in the backfield and seeing that we only have two, so he'll just drop a little bit. Or other times we might have four in the backfield so he knows that he can get pressure yeah. uh, in the fr- front line to block down a kick because you know he gets his angles right and he's probably one of, he's going to be quicker than, than, than most of the pack. So his identification of, of situations is, without a shadow of doubt, the best in the world at the moment. Right, wow. Is that something he always probably had and then just built yeah, on? Yeah, it's just... getting better, but he always he was always good at it. I think naturally he just... He, he re- yeah, he, yeah, he read the game extremely well okay. and um, he reads it from, you know, well from an attacking point of view, but I always have thought that he's, he's tracked back players. And if you, even the try that we conceded to France, he was the one that... that was was the last ditch tackle mm. to, to make sure the ball went down, and then I think Lopez went and missed the conversion as a result. You're like it's it's almost like Jamie Heaslip in attack. When people score tries, Jamie's more often than not the first key support. Yeah. When anyone scores a try or or someone's bundled into touch, you know, down by your own line, it's Conor Murray nearly always has a hand in right. it. There was a text in during the week. We had Liam Toland on with Jerry Thornley saying. We're just way too reliant on Sexton as a team. And Liam Tolan kind of said, well, look, you're going to be reliant on certain players. He was saying for a while it was yourself. Now it's Sexton. That's just the way teams are. If anything happens to Sexton and his hamstrings, for instance, over the next couple of months, like, is it just disastrous for us? Are we, are we, are we half the team? Is it not that big a deal? I think it's trouble. I big, think it's big trouble. trouble. Yeah, I do think it's trouble. Okay. And with, the, you know, with the greatest respect to both Ian Keatley and Ian Madigan, they're both very fine players, but they're not Johnny Sexton. Johnny Sexton definitely is the best 10 in the world at the moment. Right. And he's probably the best player in the world at the moment. I've been watching a small bit of Super Rugby, obviously. Some of those guys are still to come back. Um, but just the way he's able to pull the strings and orchestrate plays and make the right decision and physically still impose himself on the game after coming back from a 12-week layoff and mm. still idiotically tackling high yes. you know it's, you, it's, it's what's, what's the story with the tackling high thing he, it's, that's just his technique he's, it's not he's, he's, very, he's a strong guy he's wiry but he's very very strong he's strong upper body even, even though he's got a tiny little David Beckham pigeon chest on him he yeah. actually lifts quite good weights and so he is strong so he backs himself and being able to hold guys up yeah. and like when Matthew Bastro comes running at you you throw a shot and he got a bit of help from Shawnee and from yeah. from, from Robbie Henshaw but like he's not an easy guy to you know to stop in his track so Johnny's your 10 is often the weakest defender Johnny's one of the stronger guys right Shane Jennings was in here and he said that he just tackles low it's just his day mm. DNA tackle, tackle low like is that like you know something that you just you just that you make a choice as a kid or do you learn it? Like, could Sexton learn to tackle low if he wanted yeah, to? Yeah, he could. Of course he could. Of course he could. Johnny's, like, Johnny's, uh, as a high tackler, is a bit susceptible to a good handoff. Um, if you, you know, because you, you tend, by going high, you tend to sometimes be a little bit of an arm grabber mm. rather than throwing a shot. The thing about tackling low is you can't tackle low with your arms. You've got to throw your shoulder into it mm. and make a good impact. Whereas sometimes when you go high, you lead with the arms first. And if someone gets a good handoff on you, if someone has longer limbs than you and, you know, they reach you before you reach them, well, inevitably you know, they're going to knock you off balance and it's not a strong position. Whereas you talk about Shane Jennings going low, you know, he, he's he's firing himself into the contact. I think one of the best tacklers in the world the boys are going to face next week is in Dan Lydius, uh, who has absolutely mastered the chop tackle. Mm. And I remember on the Lions tour in 2013, Paul O'Connell um, getting lessons from him uh, on how to, how ex- exactly to implement the chop tackle. And he's, yeah, um, yeah he, you know, he, he will be at it. And Johnny Sexton, they obviously were wrestling Metro teammates uh, up until recently. And, you know, he'll be he'll be hunting down Sexton next week. Yeah. Does, does Johnny just not want to be out of game? You know, if he tackles low, he could end up on the bottom of a rook, you know, and he's not there when he's needed. Is it just kind of... I don't think so. George Gregan used to do that. George Gregan never tackled anyone low for fear of getting dragged into a rook. So he used to just pull guys down with his arms. But Johnny's not thinking that way. I think that's just his style. That's his technique. And does it need some honing? He probably needs to have a range to his tackle. You can't just tackle high. You've got to be able to to mix it up. But because of his position and because of 
people coming off scrums and off the tail of lineouts and, and guys running directly at him like Jamie Roberts will on, on Saturday, he has the opportunity of throwing a high shot. Mm. We've uh, we've a couple of minutes here before we speak to Martin Williams. Well, maybe two minutes tops. But the Steve Hansen comments, the All Blacks coach, I really wanted to get your thoughts on. He was at the Six Nations over the weekend. I have big concerns about the game at the moment because there are not enough tries being scored, which is turning the fans away. I think there is a responsibility on the coaches and the players. We're trying to get defensive lines up really quickly, but I think we've probably gone too far with it. There's a responsibility to the game. There were only three tries scored in the two games I was at over the weekend. No one's prepared to take the risk because they're going to get belted behind the advantage line if they move the ball. We get him to get his defensive lines just to take it a bit handy now in the World <laughs> Cup. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know, is that a, a bit of a word? And um, Gatlin's hand grenade as well. That, you know, that's what that where, felt like. You know, I don't know, maybe so. Yeah. Um, it's This game in crisis discussion. Yeah, you know, listen, I don't think it's been the most um, spectacular Six Nations mm-hmm. to watch this year. Um, you know, Ireland aside, I don't think any any of the other games. The England Wales game was probably has probably been the pick of them uh, because England scored a couple of nice tries, um, can with some good footballing ability. So of course, as as fans and as supporters, we want to see more of that. But let's call a spade a spade. It's it's uh, it's uh, about winning tournaments sure. and and you know it doesn't matter. And, and particularly against England, the manner when you bully them and and beat them up and get the better of them that way, I think we take huge satisfaction out of that yes. so Steve Hansen's comments I don't know I'd take it at all with a little bit of a pinch of salt yeah right okay uh, we'll take a break we're going to speak with Martin Williams about Wales next Off the Ball with thanks to Ford with the arrival of the brand new 151 Ford range a transfer is definitely on the cards Ford go further all right, you're welcome back to the show. It's Joe Malloy here. Brian O'Driscoll with us on this Friday evening. 53106 is the text number. You'll get us on Twitter, at Off The Ball. Martin Williams, hello. Good evening. Nugget, how are you? How are you, Jiggle? Very, are you well? Very good, bud. Very good. Good you, man, good man. You two boys played against each other and knocked lumps out of each other as well. Yeah, and I lost probably 80% of the games, yeah. So um, I've got a good record against Rick Owen Fairness too. You always have made up for the last... Since your retirement nugget, the Wales have made up, unfortunately. But um. I know, I know. I miss the moment. I miss all the glory days. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, we did. We did knock lumps out of each other. And played on three lines uh, test together. Your careers pretty much ran parallel. I know you both I think, made international debuts around 99, 2000. So saw a lot of each other. You're doing trick or an injustice there because I'm far older than Brian. <laughs> I, know I, 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 made, I made my debut in 96. Oh, 96. Um, Apologies. Yeah. Right. And uh, as he kindly reminded me when I got my 100th cap, uh, congratulations. I can't believe it's taken until you're 42 to get there. But it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, I suppose we did, though. I suppose for, God, a good 12 years, we were up against each other. So good times. Yeah. Uh, we're starting to get a little bit scared of Wales. You guys are improving as you tend to do. Yeah, they do. They um, obviously, you know, well documented, really slow start against uh, the English, and full credit to them. The second half, they're outstanding. But I, yeah, I don't know. This bunch is a strange bunch, really. They, um, it's all or nothing. Once they get uh, a bit of momentum, a bit of confidence, they just seem a totally different side. And you know, they probably, I wouldn't say scraped the win in Scotland, but they have them passed up in Murrayfield, got the win there. I thought they were superb against France, uh, dominated. You know, we all know some of the greatest of French teams, but it, they're still a big physical team. Um, to go to Paris to play the way they did, mm. they are looking very dangerous. I, I think maybe similar to, to the Irish boys, they like to go under the radar a bit and don't handle the favourites tag too well. But it's um, yes, yeah, all set up nicely for next week. And do you reckon look, that that is a thing? Like two years ago, obviously Ireland went over and um, and and you know, beat them out the gate in the first half, and probably were lucky in a way to hold on in the second mm. half. But then. Wales seemed to to rally the troops and went and won the championship off losing the first game, which doesn't happen very often. Are are they kind of thinking that way again? And do, does it take the pressure off losing the first game, or does it add more pressure? No, I think uh, that's what struck me after the a lot of the interviews after the England game, the first one. They to a man really, they all mentioned coaching staff as well. They all mentioned two thousand and. 13 when they look when you when you you batted them in the first half trickle didn't you so yeah, they, yeah. and they they've mentioned that look that it can still be done we've been here before we've done it before so yeah I think um, maybe the pressure was off them a little bit they would have they have a lot of stick in Wales once you lose a game and they would have used that after the England game and they've galvanised themselves so I still think um, this you know without 
been to this will be the biggest test. The Acid Test Island for me by have been by far the best team in the tournament. You know, Scotland and France, as we know, are good wins, but I think this is another level up. So, you know, it's, it's an experienced group of Welsh players. Everybody's fit, which is a huge plus. Um, so, yeah, they, they seem to be in a very good place. We were just talking beforehand, and it's very strange that we seem to have great success at provincial level and struggled for a long time to turn it into international success. Whereas you guys are you're off in France or the regions aren't going great and something manages to happen. Now there's you know there's the great cliche oh well we all stand a foot taller in the red jersey but what like there must be something else going on. It's it's very strange. Yeah, we've um if I could answer that question I would be the CEO of the Welsh Rugby Unit <laughs> at the moment. Do you, really, you don't understand <laughs> it. I don't. I you know I I been part been there myself really a little bit. Uh, Cardiff we nearly we nearly got there about 5 6 years ago. Um, didn't quite. The Ospreys were the same, and it's just fallen apart. Really, the regional game, um, and you only have to look at the league tables and the Europe, you know, the European Championship Cup that uh, you know it really does struggle. And yeah, those same guys they put a red jersey on, and they, I, I don't know, they get they galvanise themselves. So I really don't know what what the answer is. Maybe a good point at the the coaching staff at the Welsh Rugby Union, the facilities they've got there, and you know, I know they pump an unbelievable amount of money behind the scenes with our Welsh squad and you know everything is taken care of and they're producing the goods on the field so yeah it it, it is one of those anomalies that we can't work out over here Do you reckon Nugget that it has anything to do with obviously a number of the of the Welsh players are now playing over in France and in my experience on Lions tours the Welsh boys were the ones that that got homesick probably about week 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 six or week seven and um, and 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 particularly if they weren't in test matches they just were were looking forward to getting getting back home and do you think it's you know they're in France they're there earning a crust it's their it's it's their job. Um, they mightn't love it as much as being back home. So when they do get back home into camp, it's great. You know, we're around our own families down the road. Um, you know, this is where we belong. So they kind of relax and 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 play and and train better. I think so. I think you, yeah, it could well be a big part of it. I think it's the experience of playing in France as well. You know, a lot of those boys, you know, Lee Halfpenny. You know, as good as he is, he's a very shy, inward person. I think being at Toulon, he's probably realised how good he is as well. You know, I've, I've Played some fantastic matches out there, so yeah, I think that that does add to it. When they get back, they're comfortable. There's a lot, this group of players have been together since, you know, probably the last World Cup in 2011. They all get on really well off the field, so I think yeah, it probably does have that gal- galvanising effect. And can I just point out that I love touring Draco, and I would never get homesick. <laughs> what? We, all, we know that. We know that. What, what was Martin like on tour? Sorry, he was a, he was a good tour. He, he was I okay. re- yeah, I remember that we roomed together on a on a couple of different tours. Um, we're but from I remember the old school. We definitely are. School. We definitely are. There's still a bit of blood, old school blood in us, and it's it's died out uh, since May. And I don't know. There's very few of them still out there, Nugget. So yeah, um, I know. Yeah, I I always try and encourage it. And there's nothing there's nothing quite like getting to know your teammates over yeah, a beer, yeah, yeah. but they don't seem to do that so much anymore. The two professional. What was your favourite tour together? Mine would be 09. I'm not sure about Trickles. He's uh, 09, 2009, definitely for me. I was in 2001. I was on the bench, so I didn't really make the test teams. Um, but for me, 2009. Cause we, purely because I think Trickles, we went back to a bit of an old school mentality there. Um, you know, perhaps 01 and 05, we got, dare I say, a little bit too professional and yeah. weren't as tight as we should have been. Whereas 09, I think from the from the first week, you know, it was uh, a little bit old school, and you know, we nearly pulled a special victory off. Really, yeah, I absolutely agree, and it, and it's kind of a testament to the coaching staff and the squad that we still actually lost the series two 0 and many people still call that as their best Lions yeah. tour, the most enjoyable, yeah. and it was. We went back to rooming together with guys and getting to know one another, and the great thing about rooming with guys from different countries is. Obviously, you, you know you have to get to know them; otherwise, yeah. it's pretty, un- pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but someone there's there's a guy always there to have a coffee with, or to go out with, or yeah. someone to tell you that you're wearing the wrong T-shirt, or you've got a meeting at this time. And that's how you you build that bond to go out and, and play a good brand together. And we did; we played some good stuff on that mm. tour, and we're unlucky against a, a decent South African team. Yeah, it was almost mm. as if McGeekin decided to wrestle it back from the the mammoth that had become in '05, and you guys bought into it. Um, Martin, what do you make of this Ireland team? Yeah, I, you know, they haven't set the world alight in in the style of rugby they play, and I think we'd all agree that. But what you know, just so organised, so 
you know, great pack, great set piece, you know, with Paulie there running the line out. You're always going to have one of the best lineups in the world. Um, halfbacks have just controlled the game as well as I've, I've seen any halfback partnership do it. So they're all off the same, you know, him sheet, aren't they? And that, uh, that goes a long way. They've got that, you know, it's cliche of that winning mentality 10 in a row. So, yes, we are very, as much as you again scared about the Welsh team, I can assure you over here, we're very nervous, particularly if Mr. Sexton is fit for next week. I think that's. Uh, that could be the key there, whether he's um, whether he pulls through or not. But it's uh, and J- Jimmy he slipped his fit as well. Am I right, boys? Or that's what yeah, I read today. He's shaping up well, I think. Is that's the, the talk. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you come fully loaded, it's going to be. Um, I hope it's not the tactical battle that um, that everybody's shaping up. Then we'll see some tries. But I think it could be you know a very a, a big kicking game for both teams um, and a very you know it's going to be so it's too close to call at the minute. Yeah, you were saying earlier, Brian. I know that you think. This could be the game where we see a bit more from Ireland. It's a bit more expansive. I, I just feel that it's, it's it's usually because it's in those games where you play against a team that likes to play that style themselves. And we know we've watched Wales over the years, and you know they had kind of some mixed success against France last week, playing that wide, wide game. Mm. Um, but you know when when teams want to play that way, they tend to leave themselves open a little bit as well. And we know about about Wales kind of hard up defence, but. You know, I, I know that Joe will be putting together a plan to pull that apart a little bit. So I just fancy against England, it's always an arm wrestle. Against mm. Wales, you, you know, going to Cardiff, it, it it lends itself to a big occasion and some decent rugby. So I hope we do get to see it. I always look forward to playing against Wales over there. I felt it was a game that we could score tries, but there was a good chance we were going to concede tries too. So it was mm. like the old Kev, you know, it was a Kev Keegan, you know, we'll score more than you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think as well from from a Welsh point of view, you boys, you've all got good memories from the millennium as well, haven't you? Whether it's winning Heineken Cups, etc., and you know, the record over the last few years has been brilliant. So um, yeah. you know, it doesn't hold that for your fact. And the Millennium Stadium, you know, is an amazing place to play. Whether you're Welsh, Irish, you know, Scottish, it's you know, it's, it's got it's just got that feel about it. So it's um, yeah, I think it's just setting itself up to everybody was calling last week the decider over the England Island. But I think you know this this will go a long way to deciding who wins it. We noticed the, the Sean Edwards choke tackle comments last week. We were wondering what Warren Gatlin's going to come up uh, with this I'm week. just praying they keep Gats away from the press <laughs> for the next 10 days, honestly. What, what, what do the players make when, when, they, when uh, they hear those things? You know, you, you, obviously, you, you guys you are know, all laughing as you, well. You, but. You, you know as well as I do what the players think of that. I can remember one of his first few games in charge, he, he came up with a comment the week before we were playing Argentina that, our Welsh front row don't respect the Argentinian front row. And you can imagine getting Jenkins, these guys, just say, what is he saying? And he does, he throws these bombshells in there sometimes. I, whether he, he pre-plans it or just speaks before he thinks, I'm not sure. But, look, it's going to be built up enough as it is. And I think I think it's caught, it's caught us course wheels out a few times. Um, you know, you don't need any extra motivation when you play for your country. But sometimes if a coach or a a player throws a, a little grenade out there. Just it spices up that little bit trick, or you know that in the changing rooms might not be spoken about, but subconsciously I think it's in the back of the player's mind. So yeah, it'll be an interesting. Um, and I, I, Joe Schmidt is just I, I've never met the guy, but he just comes across as a really classy, intelligent coach who knows what to say at the right time. So it'll, uh, it'll be an interesting week, you know, behind the scenes. I think it's going to be an absolutely cracking game and I suppose if you were to put your money where your mouth is, do you fancy Wales will just have enough or do you think Ireland's smarts might uh, might come out on top? I think, we, I think we'll just make this one. I do. I think, um, you know, like I said earlier, we're dangerous when we got a bit of momentum. The fact that we lost to England at home in the first game, I think um, I can't see us losing two. And, and I say, yeah, I think Sexton's key. I think you know, if Sexton doesn't play, I think we'll definitely win. If Sexton plays, then it's going to be really tight. But right. if you're asking me for a punt, I'd say Wales by three. Wales by three, okay. Okay. <laughs> no agreement. Are you not both nodding in agreement on radio? <laughs> we are. We're blown away by your insight. I'm with, I'm with you, Nugget. I think it's too close to call. With uh, Regardless of whether whether Johnny plays or not, I just I feel it's... It it could be you know it could come down to Lee Halfpenny's goal kicking, which is has yeah. been yeah. absolutely outrageous. And if you can you know if you're going to give him any kicks at goal, you, you know you're 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 going to give Wales an option of of building a lead. And they're a hard team to chase down when they get a lead. 
It's interesting they changed the referee this week as well, haven't they? Obviously, Walsh isn't referee and Wayne Barnes. I don't know, what, what's, what's Barnes like with the Irish strict, or is he... Yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. Sure, we, we it was uh, it was Barnes that we nearly lost a slam in '09 to. So um, yeah, some, right, a bit of that, a bit yeah. of a mixed relationship with him over the That's years. Because we we were in Cheltenham with him on the Wednesday, so uh, <laughs> he did his best for. It. <laughs> uh, listen, Martin Williams, thanks so much for being with us. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Thanks. Cheers, no. Cheers, thanks, Martin Williams, with us there. Um, I didn't quite have the balls to bring up the old penalty kick with him <laughs> and dodge that one, um, probably for the best. There are some texts coming in for you, quickfire texts. We'll get through as many of these as we can. Uh, Brian, Ireland have conceded three, eleven, and 9 points in three games to Six Nations. Have we ever defended as well as that in his memory? No, no. Okay. Like they're, they, It really is outstanding and everyone is... Um, Everyone understands the system brilliantly. That's the that's the thing, and it seems like everything yeah, it is. It's real. Just everyone's a cog in, in in the wheel. Did Jonathan Joseph not show up, or did Ireland neutralise him? Bit of both. Bit of both. Okay. I thought he was I thought he was poor. I don't think there was a space. There's never that space yeah. against uh, in an Ireland England game. There is space against Wales. That's the thing, and he he you know he had a few options. That's why I think. Jared and, and Robbie might have a little bit more joy from an attacking point of view against Wales. But, um, yeah, he, I think we really, um, you know, we stopped him from getting any impetus um, because of our line speed and because we were denying them any quick ruck ball. Would, would the way England played, I mean, they panicked a little bit at times. Would that have big implications for you ahead of a World Cup? A little bit. I just, they didn't really seem to have a plan B. And I, I know that we forced their hand a little bit to kick badly. Yeah. But, one thing that that England do pride themselves on is a really good kick chase, and at times, you know, not only do they kick aimlessly, but they didn't seem to have a concerted um, kick chase where three, four guys got hungry to get after the ball and putting pressure on Carnes or on on the back three. So it, it would worry me a little bit. The only thing I would say about England in a World Cup is if they if they get Courtney Laws back, Joe Launchbury back. Tom Wood, although Haskell's playing well, and Manu Tuilagi, I think that adds a lot yes. to their game. It adds huge power and go forward. And I wouldn't imagine, and Twickenham, I can't see England being as bad as as they were um, against us again in, in a World Cup game. Has Brian heard anything about Issa going back to Leinster next year to help out during the World Cup, Paul and Dundrum? I read the paper like everyone else. I actually, I texted him last week in, in on a completely different level and then I heard and Maybe I might have heard a little ah. more. <laughs> Great. No, like I don't know. Would be wouldn't it be fantastic? Yeah. And it's scary that he's still only thirty two. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually still have in my in my phone in my calendar, Easton Asiwa thirty third birthday coming up soon. Oh wow! Mm. I thought he had just gone home as a thirty four year old or something. No, no, no. Wow. Okay. No. Um. Is Brian much of a race goer? Will you be heading over to Cheltenham next week now that he's not playing in Six Nations? Has he never been into the GGs? Kind of, thankfully, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, compulsive um, personality. Are you? Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of. It's a little bit all or nothing. I I would like to go to Cheltenham just for the Cheltenham experience, but no, the the nags never really the, been my thing. Following the form lines in January. Yeah, it's always you know there's always huge excitement in camp. Uh, yeah. Willie Bennett, one of the masseurs, would you know would be running around and he'd be betting on you know four or five horses uh, per race to make sure he had a winner. But he probably <laughs> lose money overall. But as captain for over a decade, uh, what would Brian have said to the Scotland out half for missing touch on the penalty that cost them the game against Italy? Rory? He pulled he pulled his calf doing it, you know. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I think. You don't need to say anything to yeah. players that you have failed. Throw a, throw a game. Yeah, exactly. you failed. You'll never play in this jersey again. <laughs> who's who's uh, Wales's biggest threats? Is Tony? Um, I think their centre pairing um, will be a real handful. Uh, having obviously played in, in the centre with both of them, mm. um, they they complement each other very very well. And if they can get some good go forward, they're both very, very big men. People think that, that Jamie Roberts is is the unit and, and Johnny um, Davis is the pace. John, Jonathan Davis is 103, 104 kilos and, and rapid to boot. Will you be in touch with Henshaw or Payne during the week or letting them know anything? Um, I, I, I sent Robbie a text 
um, this week. Just a few thoughts. Um, few thoughts on what so, to expect. Yeah. So um, no, listen, he's he's well versed yeah. on you know the, on the analysis that he's doing, and it's more just to wish him good luck. Listen, he's I'm sure he's been inundated with text messages from people you know willing to share their advice. So yeah. you know, it, my advice to him would be keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, bum, 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 bum. Ireland are focusing on high quality execution and becoming very good at it. New Zealand don't really do complicated or flashy backplay most of the time. They do the basics really, really well. And then the odd bit of individual brilliance adds gloss when they have dominated a team. Smart rugby. Interested how Brian feels our centres are coming along. So far it feels like they're building a strong foundation. Brian Dublin. I think that's all. And we just true. touched on that. That's yeah. all true. I, I I didn't know that was heading towards the centres uh, once again. First, the New Zealand part is very very true. Yes. They don't have an elaborate game plan. They just do what they do. Their sim- the simplicity of gain line and at a great um, pace as well. Isn't yeah, they play it fast yeah. and high tempo. Um, and they try and yeah, they try. They really back themselves from a fitness point of view as well. So mm. they feel on top of having a greater skill level than everyone else that they can um, they can outlast them. So I spoke to Mills Mullaina in Connacht um, a couple of months ago, and he said he was quite surprised at the weights that we're doing over here. That we're doing heavier weights than he would have done with New Zealand, actually. Yeah, there's obviously a huge um, focus on skills over there, and you can see it in their game, particularly in in some really wet conditions. But watching Super Rugby, yeah. they still um, they still you know, look like they're out on their own on, on on that front. I think they play a different game down there. Just playing down in New Zealand in particular, it's just the physicality they bring and the clinical nature. And people talk about you know how, how you can't get away with any dirty play these days. New Zealand were a team that were never really into. Dirty play. They were just so focused on doing their role. Right. Um, Richard McCaw aside. <laughs> I said that, not you. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Um, have Wales become a bigger rivalry for Ireland over the last 10 years than England? The players all know each other so well and uh, they have Mike Phillips. So there's a panto villain there and all. Wales or England? Wales or England? Both big rivals, really, aren't they? Yeah, England. Still England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's about it from us. Are you, Are you? as your final prediction, are you going for an Ireland win? I know you said when you, we were speaking with Martin there that it's it's, it's on a knife edge, I guess. I, I kind of fancy us now with Joe Schmidt and the team when it's on a knife yeah, edge. Yeah, no, I, I do too. I think we've become an unbelievably hard team to beat. And I I think I fancy us just by less than three. I know Nugget went for three. I think we might... Yeah, it'll be it'll come down to you know that last gasp try or 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 drop goal or penalty or something small because yeah. there's nothing in between the teams. But yes, uh, us, us just. Um, uh, thanks to Brian. Cheers for coming in. Thanks a lot, Wally. Thank you. But we'll be back in the next hour, of course, with the crappy quiz and the best of. Off the ball with thanks to Ford. This season calls for a change off the pitch and on the road. For a quality 151 offer, you know where to turn. Ford, go further.